You are listening to the Horizons Church Podcast. Welcome back to another exciting episode of the Horizons Church Podcast. I am your host, Pastor Josiah, as always. We're joined again by Pastor Steve. It's been a while since we've had him on the podcast. Yeah. yeah. So good to have you back, sir. Yeah, glad to be back. Yes. As of this recording, it's a nice day. It and, is. Uh, Beautiful day. Going to hit the roads and uh, ride the bike there, right? I am. I'm meeting a pastor up in Morgantown, and we're going to ride a little bit today. Yeah, there we go. Well, before we allow you to go enjoy some time off on your bike, wanted to discuss a question with you that has some nice implications following our 40 Days in the Word yeah. series. And just as a heads up to our listeners, before we actually get into this discussion, if you are interested in what Steve and I are discussing today, it's going to be tackled more in depth in our upcoming session of the Academy, Clarity, Clarity. which begins on April 28th, Sunday, Sunday after Easter. Yes, it is. If you want to register for that, you can do so by going to intensives.horizonschurch.net or by filling out the insert that'll be in the bulletin for the next few weekends if you attend our Lost Creek campus. Right. So that is Lost Creek specific just for our listeners who are out there, you know, in the ether sphere of our other campi or just happen to be listening. Right. So what we're discussing today is the canon of scripture, the books of the Bible. Steve, critics of Christianity look at the books of the Bible as they are arranged and sometimes say very unfriendly things. They say things like, don't you know that those books were created and arranged by a group of men who simply wanted to control the masses and wanted to expedite their political power and they wanted things done their way. And they created a list of books of the Bible that fit their agenda. Is that true, Steve? Well, I think the critics of the Bible have assumed that there was kind of an organizational manipulation of what's going to be included in the Bible. But when you read when you read history and you read how the books of the Bible actually ended up in the Bible, uh, it's much more organic than what they're talking about. Because the the books that are included in the Bible, the people didn't decide what books were going to be in the Bible. Mm-hmm. God called upon Christians to recognize inspired books. Mm-hmm. That is, people didn't determine we're going to make that book. Inspired, right. <laughs> you know, God inspired the book. He breathed into the book. And then he expected Christians to recognize and preserve those books and collect them and pass them from church to church and Christian to Christian so that we would benefit from them. So that process went on from day one. Mm-hmm. Of, I mean, Paul wrote his books, and within days, months, weeks, people were recognizing them as Scripture. Now, that whole thing had been going on for, gosh, 400 years mm-hmm. before finally somebody said, you know, we ought to just write this down. Yeah, make it official, right? Make it official. <laughs> and so in 397, they did that at Council of Carthage. They wrote it down and said, hey, here's the books. But they weren't like, well, we got 87 books. We need to pare it down. Yeah. And it was like, no, they, they said, let's just make official what we've already determined. You know, yeah. Oh, yeah. So I think that leads to a pretty natural next question, which is what were the standards they used to actually recognize which of those books were the God-inspired, yeah. divinely inspired? Yeah, because you see people like in the first century. I mean, Peter's writing in, in his book, one of his books. Uh, yeah, Second Peter second there, right? Peter 3, uh, 16, he, he says that uh, Paul's letters contain some things that are hard to understand, which ignorant and unstable people distort as they do the other scriptures. And he says to their own ruin. So Peter is writing this at a time when Paul is probably in prison. Yeah. Paul's still alive, and mm-hmm. he already recognizes Paul's writings as equivalent to other 
Scripture. Mm-hmm. So early on, these books were recognized, and they had even the word you mentioned, the word canon, is not a big gun. <laughs> <laughs> it's not one of those things they use in the Civil War to blow people to smithereens. Yeah. The, the word canon it means a measuring instrument, and it has a double-edged sword to it. So these books have to measure up to a standard, and then these books become a standard by which we live our life. But they have to measure up to a standard if they're going to be accepted. So what we find in historical data is that once the disciples, the followers of Jesus, the 12 disciples and those who worked with them, once those guys died, uh, there wasn't anybody to say, hey, I, I didn't write that book. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so know, somebody's but, writing in Paul's name and Paul can't be there to say, that's not my letter. Right, right. And so you started having these weird things happen after the death of the apostles where you had these books show up that had some variant doctrine they wanted to promote. And so they'd just attach an apostle's name to it. They'd write the book and say, oh, this is the gospel of Peter or this is the gospel of James or this is the gospel of Thomas. And they would attach somebody name to it, but those Gospels are fake. Mm-hmm. The people, they were supposed to have been kind of lost documents, now they found them, and, oh, we didn't find this one, you know, but but like the Gospel of James had an agenda. They wanted to teach the perpetual virginity of Mary, so yeah. they wrote a book that would teach that, and then attached uh, James's name to it in order to give it credibility. Well, people had to have a way of figuring out which one of the Bible books were real, and which one of these posers that were coming in to try to co-op the authority and the integrity of a biblical writer or a disciple in order to give credibility to their wacky idea. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So you end up having three different groups of books that claim to be inspired. Mm -hmm. If you think of it as two thumbs up, there were books that were two thumbs up. Everybody agreed on those. There were those that were two thumbs down. Everybody said bogus. And then there were those that most people said thumbs up, but there were a few people that said, I got questions. Mm-hmm. And they had thumbs down. And they were wobbling. Yeah. They didn't know whether they were <laughs> thumbs up or thumbs down. But um, when you look at the Bible, they had fancy names for each of those books that nobody questioned were called homo legumina. That is homo, same, legumina, say. So everybody said the same thing about them. Mm-hmm. Their scripture. Yeah. And uh, Old Testament, there was like 34 of the 39 books in the Old Testament, nobody questioned. Yeah. 20 of the 27 books in the New Testament, Nobody ever questioned. Mm-hmm. Of the books that some had questions about said, wait a minute, what about this? Mm-hmm. Those are called anti-legumina. That is, most people accept them. Some people had questions. The anti spoke against. Yeah. Uh, you, know, you know, like a book like A Song of Solomon in the Old Testament. Some people got really... <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> they were uncomfortable <laughs> with the nature of that book. Yeah, it was pretty graphic about the physical love between a husband and a wife. And they're like, gosh, you know, does this really, is this, is this what God has to say about um, <laughs> the passion life of a man and a woman? Or the book of Esther, you know, where... Yeah, God's name doesn't even show up. (laughs) God's behind the scenes. He's orchestrating or he's directing the events of Esther behind the curtain, not in front of you. And some people say, well, where's God? You know, well, he's behind the curtain. He's not. But because of those kind of things, people had questions about those books. But none of those books were ever thrown out. Right. The New Testament, Book of Hebrews, nobody was sure who wrote Hebrews. Right. Everybody knew it was this amazing book, but did Paul write that or who wrote that? Or the Book of James, there's a passage in there that talks about works, and some people thought it denied that it— 
you know. Luther, yeah, Martin Luther, right? He yeah. called it a right straw epistle, yeah, right? Yeah, he was. He had questions. Did this book deny the teaching of grace, that you're saved by grace? How does the works that James is talking about fit in with grace? And so he had questions. But none of these books were ever rejected. They had a pause. Hit the pause button. Said, let's talk about this before you go with it. Yeah. And then there was a third group that were called, both thumbs down, they were the pseudepigraphal, pseudo, false, phony, bogus, epigrapha or graphe is to write. They were the false writings. Those writings happened in the Old Testament. Those writings happened between 400 B.C. and the birth of Christ. So in those silent years, mm-hmm. you find pseudepigraphal books in there. And then after the death of the apostles, where nobody was there to bust you if you beat right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. hey, There's some poser using my name out here. So those were the three classifications. So the question becomes, how did they sort it out? How did yeah. they? And it wasn't like that it happened at a day. This was a process that was going on in the three different, I mean, there were three different parts of the church at that yeah. point. There was a group down in Alexandria, mm-hmm. uh, northern Africa, was a hot spot of Christianity, going from Israel up to what we call Constantinople, Turkey. That was all another hot spot called the Byzantine Empire. And then there was the Western Church revolved around Rome yeah. and all the Western Roman Empire. So those were the three hotbeds where the church was growing and where the question was, all those churches, all those branches of the churches, they didn't have internet. They didn't have phones. Yeah. <laughs> so they had to sort this stuff out, and they began to compare notes yeah. and say, these are the books that we recognize. What do you recognize and why? And there was remarkable cohesion around those things. But they did have some tests that they used. Mm-hmm. And, uh, for example, uh, they asked, who was the author? Yeah. If it's Uncle Buddy wrote this book. <laughs> you know, <we laughs> Probably think not great. divinely inspired. You know, so the question was for the Old Testament, was it a lawgiver? Was it a prophet? Was it a, a recognized leader of Israel? Mm-hmm. In the New Testament, was it an apostle, prophet, or someone who was backed by an apostle or prophet? Yeah. You know, like Mark and Luke were not apostles. Or, right, but they had an apostle's backing. Yeah, but Mark ran with Peter and Luke was uh, with Paul. Mm-hmm. So anyway, these guys, I mean, Luke wrote probably the most scripture content-wise in all the Bible. But mm-hmm. but he has Paul, he traveled with Paul, and he, he is used by God to, to write these things. So anyway, they have to pass the authorship test. Yeah. That was one of them. They have to pass the church recognition test, which had to do with these three branches of the church that were growing. When they compared notes, did they agree? Mm-hmm. And then there was the smell test. You yeah. know, it was, <laughs> you Are know. you trying to advance some sneaky doctrine that yeah. doesn't line up? Yeah. So if you've got something that contradicts known scripture, mm-hmm. then it can't be scripture. Right. So if you've got Jesus doing a miracle in his childhood— and the Bible specifically says they turned the water to wine. That was his first miracle. You've got a problem. Yeah. <laughs> like the um, Gospel of Thomas. Gosh, it's got... Uh, got some doozies in there. Since Jesus curses and kills a child who spilled some water they collected. <laughs> you know, it's like, what? <laughs> Isn't that is it the Gospel of Thomas where he says that, like, women are going to be transformed into men before yeah, they get into the kingdom stuff. or something like that? So, oh. so these books are not books that were lost. They were books that were rejected and, and said... They don't pass the smell test. So right. those are the three tests they used. And again, they were not trying to grant inspiration. They were trying to, to recognize right. an inspired book. Yeah, that's pretty important. Now, here's maybe one final bonus sort of question okay. that ties in with all of this. There's also this tricky set of books called the Apocrypha yeah. that if you picked up a Roman Catholic Bible, yes. 
you would find this set of books that is not in the Protestant scriptures, right. like Bell and the Dragon and you know, yeah. all these weird yep. books. Uh, what's up with those? Yeah. Well, there's about 14 books that were written during the silent years, during those 400 silent years, that the church has always recognized them as valuable books, but never recognized them as inspired books. I mean, mm-hmm. it's like most people have a favorite author, yep. and they really benefit. They say, hey, this is Francis Chan, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, you know it, it, nobody says Francis is inspired. They just say he has some really good insight. Yep. And so these books became historical, and they became insight books, 14 of them. They were never accepted by the church generally, and they at 1546, they were added to the Catholic canon or the Catholic Bible because 1546 was the heart of the Reformation. The Reformation was going on. The Catholic Church was getting busted all the time on mm-hmm. these issues about things that were not in the 66 books. How can And Luther was coming back to him saying, it ain't the books. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and so they said, Tricky. yeah, but they're in these other books. And he's like, well, they're not in the books. They're not in the 66. So they said, well, we're adding these books. And now they're scripture. And, uh, and so these doctrines they were getting busted about, suddenly they had to have something that would defend them. And uh, and so you, you find these books being added. And they're not evil books, but they're not inspired books. You know, right. Book of Maccabees, First, Second Maccabees, we use those for historical information about right. the period, but they're not inspired. Yeah, they're know? not instructive for the rule of faith and life. You don't want to be getting your doctrine and life principles from those books necessarily. Yeah, when Jesus <laughs> talked about the Old Testament, for example, he gave two reference points. In Luke chapter 11, he talks about from the blood of Abel, that's in Genesis 4, mm-hmm. to the blood of Zechariah, that's in Second Chronicles 24. Mm-hmm. Well, that just happens to be the first and last books of the Old Testament canon. Yeah. <laughs> which did not include any of the apocryphal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, here's Jesus who, he's kind of putting brackets around the Old Testament and says, from here to here, you did this. Throughout the whole of Old Testament, you did this. Yeah. And he leaves out the apocryphal. But, I mean, Jesus never referred to these books. He yeah. never referred to them as part of the canon. Mm-hmm. They're all written during the 400 silent years. There were books that referred to them at times, but Paul referred to the Cretan poets, too. He didn't say the Cretan poets were scripture. He made a reference to them. But these books were never referred to as, thus saith the Lord, or the scripture says, or as it is written. Those kind of phrases are never used in apocryphal books. Early church held them in high esteem, didn't embrace them as a scripture. They themselves never called themselves scripture. You know, things like this. So, like in Judith, the book of Judith, it starts out saying things like, uh, Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Assyria. Well... (laughs) Yeah, whoops. <laughs> <laughs> wasn't the king of Syria. Wrong was, kingdom, buddy. <laughs> so there's historical snafus in them. There's theological snafus. There's things yeah. like that. All those things lead us to the same conclusion that these are helpful books to understand the times and understand what some wisdom that people were drawing from the 66, but they aren't part of the 66. Yes. Yeah. So when it comes to your own Bible reading, stick with those 66 books. And Francis Chan. And Francis Chan, yes. And Francis Chan. Gospel according to Francis Chan, ladies and gentlemen. No, very helpful discussion. If you are interested in this topic, you find it helpful, intriguing. Like we said at the beginning of the episode, Steve and I guess me. Yes. Uh, we're going to be digging into some of this more in depth. In I think Mary Ann's going to help us on that too. Yeah, and Mary Ann's going to yeah. help us too. So if you're at the Lost Creek campus, 
you'll want to register for the academy. Yeah, we're okay. going to be talking about uh, the authority of the Word of God. How? What is its authority? Where do we get it? We'll talk about uh, if the Bible's true, as we're saying it is, then what does the Bible have to say about sin and why is sin wrong? I mean, yeah. why, why is this such a big deal? What makes sin sin? And in grace, why why can't we just be better people and get to heaven? <laughs> uh, why why does it require grace and how does that work? So it's, it's really at the heart of what we believe and it's digging a little deeper so that you can really know what you believe and why you believe it and stand fast in difficult days. Yeah, so that you can have some clarity, you might say. Have clarity in in a confusing world. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Thank you, Steve, for uh, joining us again for another episode of the podcast. If you all have any questions, you know where to send them, podcast at horizonschurch.net or interact with us on social media. Or if you happen to see Steve in the lobby on the weekend, you can uh, hunt him down and let him know of your opinions or yeah, ask your questions. Yeah, Write it on a piece of paper. I'll get it to Josiah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you as always for joining us and we'll catch you next time. Mm-hmm.